0: Welcome to The Counselor's Chair, a podcast brought to you by Traverse Counseling Services. Join us as we explore all things human, mental health, psychology, philosophy, and a few extras. Be sure to check us out on all forms of social media and visit our YouTube channel at The Counselor's Chair. Hey everyone, Josh here. In today's episode, you're going to join me on a road trip. I recorded this podcast while on the road to Virginia, so I apologize in advance for a little more background noise than usual. I'm excited to share what I feel are important relationship dynamics within romantic relationships. I cover topics like understanding the perspective of your partner, communicating expectations, dealing with bitterness or resentment, and ultimately end with the power in a positive romantic relationship. I also believe that this is content adequate for relationships broadly, so don't be deterred by the title. Also, during this episode, I use terms like wife, husband, partner, and primary relationship interchangeably. When I do this, I'm referring to the psychological term of primary group relationships, wife, husband, children, parents, siblings, as opposed to secondary group relationships, co-worker, church friends, etc. Alright, I'll let you get at it, and as always, I hope you enjoy the show. Alright everyone, this is Josh Zello checking in with you from a Dodge Caravan uh, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Virginia. I just passed an exit that said Gross Close, so um, shout out to anybody who's living in Gross Close, Virginia. I am passing through your way. Um, I'm actually up, headed to Virginia for... um, annual hunting trip that I take with my dad and my brother-in-laws every year and um, man I'm pumped to get up here and I have a 7 and some change hour drive it's actually turned into an 11 hour drive with a rental car debacle but that's another story for another day Um, but you know I figured hey I have all this free time in the car and I'm thinking uh, and I might as well share some of my thoughts Uh, so I don't know that the audio quality is going to be the best because uh, Dodge Caravans are kind of loud on the highway. Originally I had a pretty sweet Volkswagen Passat, and that thing was quiet as a mouse, and I thought, yeah, I could get a good episode in, but then uh, it decided that it would, you know, die on me in the middle of the road. Um, Did happen to make it to another rental car place, and they swapped it out for me. Um, So that's good. Anywho, so if you're wondering about the quality of this, I'm not even sure if I'll release it if I can't get it to sound at least decent for you, so it's it's bearable to hear. Um, yeah, so here I am. Um, um, as far as as far as what I got going on in my mind, and I was thinking a lot about marriage, actually, and I thought I'd share a few thoughts on marriage. I don't know if it's gonna where where we're gonna go with it, but. I don't have anybody in the car and with me to have a conversation either, so it's going to be a conversation with myself, and I'm going to pretend as if you were in the car with me, so maybe if I have a question pop into my own head, or a question you guys might ask, or something that I've heard in therapy frequently, I'll I'll share that with you. Um, Cool. So, where I thought I could start with this, one is, I'm, I'm not a marriage and family therapist, that's a, we have some licensed marriage and family therapists in our practice. Uh, I am a licensed professional counselor. I've been trained in marriage therapy, um, and I have I did a lot of marriage therapy and premarital therapy early in my career. And um, I guess it was a few years ago I switched to doing mostly individual, actually solely individual therapy because of the type of therapy that I do. But that does not mean that I don't have a passion for my married couples out there. Um, I'm married as well, and uh, I know that Marriage, and um, most most modern cultures in society, seems to be presented um, in a sort of scary fashion. So hopefully we can demystify it a little bit, and I'm just going to share some thoughts that I have. So <clears throat> whether you're in whether you're in a difficult spot with your marriage or not, doesn't matter. I I hope that anything that I say might be beneficial for you. So. Uh, This also just applies to relationships in general. I think most of what I'm going to say, whether you're married or not, or um, it it really, it doesn't matter the status of your relationship, though some of it might only apply to married people. All right, Um, where to start? So I think an an important fundamental place to start is with the, the psychology of perspective. I'm sipping on coffee while I'm driving too, it's... Eight o'clock at night, so you might hear me take a pause and take a sip of something. That's me uh, just staying awake on the road. <clears throat> so I think it's really important to start out with some perspective psychology. And when we're talking about relationships, from from my perspective, uh, I guess I use that somewhat ironically. But from my perspective, what I think is important is to realize that the person that you're in a relationship has a perspective of the world. Uh, that is unique to their life, their biology, their upbringing, um, their current status, and even minute by minute. And what I mean by perspective is the way that they actually view the world around them. Uh, And what's also important is that you have a perspective of the world around you as well that is directly associated to your upbringing, your biology, your religion, uh, and the influences that you've had in your life coupled with the stressors and successes that you're going to have throughout the day, um, the week, the year, all of these things affect how you see or do not see the world around you. I think this is a common thing that we really, really forget, particularly if you've been in a relationship with somebody for a long time. <clears throat> we tend to think that we know the person that we're in the relationship in uh, with uh We think we know them so well that oftentimes we forget that they are interacting with the world as an individual outside of our relationship with them. And when we forget that, we forget to ask and consider that. Now, excuse me. These are some. These are some of my thoughts in regards to that. It's a massive. um, It becomes a massive gap. When we forget to consider the perspective of the other person, the way that they're seeing the world around them, when we forget that they have their own perspective, we actually forget to ask, inquire, or be a part of that perspective. So we, we forget to ask things like, oh, you know, how are you doing today? it seems like a really simple question but it's not like oh how was your day it's like how are you doing today like what did you see what did you get into what were some of the thoughts you had in your day and you can ask it like that or it could be even more simple than that but part of the fundamentals of a healthy relationship are actually knowing where the or, or some of those fundamentals are knowing the perspective of the person that you're in the relationship with <clears throat> so I'm going to I place a lot of importance on that. That's sort of the foundation of everything. If you if you forget that, or you let it go, or other things get in the way of your knowledge that your spouse or the person that you're in the relationship with has a unique perspective of the world. Um, when you unplug with that, you almost unplug with their identity and their personality, and solely see things through your lenses. I would argue that healthy relationships uh, involve both parties trying to trying to see the world through each other's eyes to make a collective lens and we'll get into that collective lens a little further down but i would say the goal of a good relationship is to bring those two perspectives together in a way in which you understand each other well and you're both looking at the world hopefully through that perspective through that through that communal perspective, through that connected perspective. Now, that may seem idealistic, and I get that, but we all need a goal to get to. Now, what what I think happens and where the breakdown happens, how do we forget that the people around us actually have a perspective of the world and they want that perspective to be known and that we want our perspective to be known? How do we forget that and get so lost so lost that we may not even consider our own perspective we get very trapped in our heads get very trapped in our work get very trapped in the next thing that needs our attention um you know we get trapped in our in our own world and even even don't consider our perspective of what's happening in our day let alone when we're in that headspace we're surely not thinking about our our partner we're not thinking um we're not thinking about really anybody else at that point hopefully we don't get in that spot too often but you may ask yourself and I've asked myself so many times like well what pulls what seems to pull us away some important some important aspects to consider Uh, when I did premarital work one of the first things that I told my my couples that I would work with is that this world and our society, at least in the United States, is is set up in a way for marriages to fail, um, and relationships to fail, to ultimately fail, by the amount of distraction, um, by the amount of influence, by the amount of media, by the amount of to-do lists, whatever whatever you can fill in the blank, or maybe you can fill in the blank with all of those things, we're set up in a way where we're so geared towards those um, that they drive a wedge between our awareness of the world around us uh, and the people in the world around us. So we have our awareness of those people, and the thing that drives the wedge is everything that I just mentioned and more. And there's so much of that in our society that seems to want to pull us away from actually making a connection, and some may say this is intimacy, but making a connection with other people's perspectives around us. And in your primary relationships, that connection is absolutely vital. But in our, in our culture and society, everything pulls for our sense of awareness. Um, our phones want us to be aware of them. Our media accounts want us to be aware of them. Our emails want us to be aware of them. The magazine wants you to be aware of it on the way out of the checkout line. Um, the TV wants you to be aware of something. The sports team wants you to be aware of something. Your children want you to be aware of something. Like, our awareness gets pulled and, so, pulled and stretched in so many Directions and oftentimes that seems to be at the highest cost in our primary relationship. It it costs us the emotional energy to actually be aware of that person who wants your awareness the most. And I would argue that actually needs your awareness the most because you've committed to give them that awareness. Again, when I say awareness, I mean the ability to connect with the other person's perspective on life. Um, so, when I sit down with my premarital couples, it's the first thing I tell them is there's so many things that will drive a wedge between the two of you. Um, what, I, what, I, what immediately comes to mind is actually World War II. <clears throat> and if you don't know anything about World War II, I would suggest you give that a Google And and learn some of the basics of World War II. I don't know what they're teaching in school these days. I got some education on it, but largely my education on World War II was self-taught through, well, not self-taught, but um, self-learned through books and audio and things of that nature. Now, and my and my parents as well. Um, Now, that that said, if you know much about World War II, it was a war that ultimately became between two forces, the Axis and the Allies. Uh, the Allies were uh, were the group of nations that came together to defeat the Axis, which were the um, forces in line with the German forces, the Nazi-German forces in World War II. I would say this, this is the metaphor that I think rings most true, at least to me, in regards to this perspective thing. <clears throat> The Allies had a common goal in mind. They had a place that they needed to go for their own survival. So their, their partnership was absolutely necessary. Otherwise, the Nazi forces were going to overthrow them. So they had a necessary communion. So there's this necessary communion that they have agreed on. We will, we will bring our forces together to overcome this other force that is trying to divide us all and conquer. Now, I know bringing in war to marriages and in, in primary relationships, that seems like a bit of a stretch, or maybe most people bring war in like the two sides of the relationship are warring with each other, but I actually see that there's a war between all of these things that pull for our influence, or not our influence, that pull for... for uh, our level of awareness, they pull from us. Those are the axes. Uh, and they're, they're essentially, and, and I don't know if they have malicious intent in any of this, but essentially it is the force that is trying to drive you two apart from one another. Um, <clears throat> that, is, that is the wedge. And when I say that the Allies had to come together... Uh, for their own survival, I think that there is a there's there's a evidence of this for a biological uh, a biological uh, commitment from one person to the other. I mean, we we are and even in a group type setting, we are we are social creatures. We actually need each other to survive, um, and and that is what I mean by this allied forces now even more specifically if you're entering into a relationship with somebody or you've entered into a marriage with somebody you have formed your own little ally group and the goal of the allies is to maintain uh, to, main, to maintain the, the ground that you currently have between you and the ground that you share now what I love about this metaphor is you know, these were different countries that came together to try and overthrow the Axis forces. These were different countries that came together with different perspectives, different views. Uh, I mean, the differences are, are vast, actually. But but they they acknowledged and refer, uh, realized those differences, and, were, and they were able to say, okay, we have these differences, and we can navigate these differences, but our goal... Our goal is the same. Our goal is to maintain what we have and to be aware enough of each other to work through our differences so that our forces can actually unite and 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 protect what we feel is essential to our survival. Now, I know I just put a ton of weight <laughs> on relationships, but... I do believe that if you approach it with that sort of seriousness, that it really, really can make a difference in how you see your spouse. Now, from that model, your spouse is non-dispensable, actually. And I think that that's that's one of the primary effects of your awareness being pulled into all different types of directions, is your primary relationship becomes dispensable because your brain and your body starts to assume that because other things need your awareness, that they will also sustain you. Now, I don't know any phone or any media account or any email account or any occupation that sustains me mentally like my wife does. Um, But... If I was to really, really believe the message that those, that those things need me, and I need them, which I've I've totally fallen into, the immediate the immediate result is that I stop relying on my primary relationship for the majority of my relational and emotional needs. Now, I'm not saying put all of your needs onto your primary relationship. That's why we have friends. That's why we have community. <clears throat> and I can even talk a little bit more of that about that. But I'm not saying put all... Of the eggs in that basket, but what I am saying is that we will remove. I think it's just natural inclination when we feel needed in other areas, when other things are pulling for our attention, we'll start putting our ag, egg, our eggs in those baskets, and then when it comes to our primary relationship, we don't have any eggs to put in the basket. It's when you look at your, it's when you look at your spouse or you look at your, you look at your partner, and you, and you realize you have nothing to say. Um, and you bury yourself in your phone or you feel like you don't know who they are and you surely don't know what they've been through in that day. And I tell you what the default is. The default is to distract yourself at that point. Uh, the default is to flip on the TV and you guys both sit in silence. The the, t- the default is to pick up the phone and get the dopamine hit. And man, I and, and all of a sudden that, that worry of the state of your relationship and the state of your partnership and... The deterioration that is happening in your allied force you numb out to it uh, and that can be something as simple as turning on a three-hour football game on the weekend when that is like some of the only time you may actually get with your partner or it might be um you know it might be something other than a football game it may be kids uh, kids baseball game, kids ballet, it may be, uh, blowing out and shopping because you are stressed and you need to do a little bit of, uh, retail therapy. It may be, you know, taking, uh, taking time and going and do some, going and doing something that you could have invited that other person along with you in to be supportive, even if you're sort of stressed out and may want to isolate. so, that's just a couple of examples, there's there's an infinite amount more, or, you know, there's that couple of hours of work that is calling your name on the weekend, and you know that you can probably work it in the next week, however, you make that decision to plug into that work and you lose two to three to four hours of prime time with your partner at that point. Uh, or even taking... Your partner out to dinner and then getting distracted by something on your phone or watching the TV that's in the in the restaurant and and maybe your partner's occupied on their phone and there's no communication actually happening these things are pulling your awareness, pushing you apart from one another and eventually what happens is that axis drives a wedge Uh, it's not an irreversible red it's not an irreversible wedge But it is a wedge Between Between you And it makes connection Really, really difficult And if you don't have the connection Then you completely lose touch With Or, or Maybe not completely I don't want to say completely Because that sounds pretty catastrophic But you darn near Lose all of the connection With your primary uh, With your partner With your spouse Whatever word you use there you lose connection with their perspective and and from my from my understanding is when you lose connection with their perspective you've lost connection with them and that's a really really heavy thought to consider um, and I, I'd like you to consider it as heavy because the heavier that you consider that the more weight you put on that point the, the more wedges that are between myself and my spouse or my partner, I... I lose touch with them. Not only that, you wind up losing... You wind up losing the epic battle that is going on for the relationship. You wind up losing the ground that is important and losing the very thing that you've committed to sustaining and that 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 other person has committed to sustain as well. Um, Now... we'll we'll pause there. Uh, I think that puts a good sort of period on that point and really drives home this idea of axes and allies. The axes are the things coming into your relationship trying to separate you and you have an allied force relationship uh, in which you're trying to preserve the ground even though there's differences. There's a there's a common goal of preserving each other and preserving the safety in the relationship. Once these wedges start getting drove in, once the enemy forces start making ground on your relationship, um, if if it's not recognized and you don't fight with each other to push those things back out and maintain your homeostasis or mis- maintain the balance of your relationship, uh, the 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 seesaw tar- starts to tilt in the unhealthy direction. Um, so we'll put a period there and you might say well what what are the indicators that that's happening well, that's a good question um i promise you I don't have anybody in the car but from what i can tell and and this is an examination of my own dealings with relationships and from um my friends my family and also my my previous clients one of the primary things that i think starts to pop up initially is resentment um, and if you're unfamiliar with that term, feel free to, to Google it if you'd like. Uh, I don't know the official definition just off the top of my head, but uh, most people are going to be familiar with the term resentment. Resentment is the thing that starts to build initially. You may feel a twinge of resentment like, oh, man, I, I do so much more than him, or, man, I really wish that she could actually hear me uh, when I'm when I'm talking and actually hear what I'm saying, and, instead of just like, uh-huh, yeah, but this thing or this thing over here, or pointing to some other stressor that um, is important, but is causing but is causing a riff, um, or you might be thinking something like, if he would only just do this, or if she would only just do this, then I would much happier you the the resentment starts to build and the accusation starts to build you start to find even more faults with the other person but resentment and and ultimately what it grows into is bitterness that bitterness is seeing that inadequacy in the other person and refusing to actually address it and in your mind you become very angry or very frustrated at the person for their patterns but you don't say anything about it because you feel as though they should know better. Um, That's where things really start to derail. I would say at that point, that's when the axes have really gotten into your relationships good. They've, They've disaligned your perspectives. You can no longer empathize with your partner. You can no longer step into their shoes and try and understand what they're coming from. One, because maybe they won't let you into their shoes that's a problem or two because you've also at some point in time lost connection with their perspective and they've changed people change people change in a two-month span um, especially based on certain experiences I think that that is the other thing that happens too. one of the primary markers of, a, of the relationship moving into this unhealthy category we have resentment we have bitterness and then we have assumption right We assume that the other person is thinking a certain way. Or we assume that they are thinking... uh, I just said that. We assume that they're doing things for a certain reason. And, and that reason may be valid, maybe that's true, or it may be based on the version of your spouse that you knew three years ago. But things may have vastly changed. You may have lost touch with their perspective, and they're starting to do things with new, different motivations, hopefully healthy ones, positive ones, and maybe there's just misunderstanding. But oftentimes, um, those changes aren't communicated, and what happens is we assume, and then we expect so we have resentment, bitterness, goes into assumption, um, and then we start expecting. And what I, what is, what is so frustrating about expectation? That last phase where you start to develop really unhealthy expectations of one another, especially the mind-reading expectation, like. The this person should know precisely what I want, or know precisely what I'm thinking, or know that I'm dissatisfied and should try and do something about that. That's when you're trying. That's when you're really drifting into that expectation phase. That the real kicker, it, expectations aren't a bad thing to have. The kicker is when they're not actually communicated. Um, and I would say, uh, once you start communicating the emotions, it becomes. I mean, not emotions, but once you start communicating the expectations, it becomes very apparent very quickly how f- how uh, how far apart you guys are from understanding one another's perspective. I've heard this in sessions. I've had it going in my own head with even co-workers or, or friends or <clears throat> my my relationship, though I, I think I try really hard at this point to resolve conflict within myself. If it's in regards to my spouse, I try and re- resolve Quickly, just a little mantra I'll drop in there. I was I was talking um, with my mentor. Uh, I guess it was about two years ago, and he gave me one of the best piece of marriage advice uh, that I ever have encountered. And we really sat down and fleshed this out um, and determined this this phrase that the mark of a mature or the mark of a healthy relationship is not actually the frequency of arguments. It's actually the duration of arguments. And what I mean by that is it's not how frequently, how many times you argue. It's actually how long the argument drags on. How long the argument drags on let's should be an indicator of How much your pride and your ego and your perspective is being leveraged on the other person. In other words, I'm not wrong, I'm 100% right, and until she or he apologizes, I'm not going to do anything about this. We dig our heels in. That is the mark of when you are moving into an unhealthy part of your relationship. Your pride. And your ego and your perspective and the way you think things should be and your expectations have have completely cut you off from the perspective of the other person and vice versa right if the argument is carrying on and no one is attempting to resolve it and we have days of silence or even a day of silence or even eight hours i would say shoot for resolution in under 20 minutes and i don't mean resolution in fix the problem that you were originally arguing about in 20 minutes what i say is this fix your pride in 20 minutes fix the expectations in 20 minutes try to dissolve them enough that you can come to the other person and say look there's a percentage of this in which i'm i'm wrong and i have to be wrong if we're on this different of pages and I really don't want to be mad or upset at you. It's not worth it. It's actually not worth it for us to be upset at each other and if I love you, I actually don't want to do damage to you and this silence is doing damage to us and I don't want that. I don't want it and even if it's just both of you acknowledging that and acknowledging to drop the argument and pick it back up at a later time and at least apologizing for getting upset at one another to the extent that you refused to talk, or you were yelling and screaming at one another, I think that that is something that you really want to push for. I'm going to take a quick break right here and take a drink. I have another thing to add to that. Uh, so, I was talking a little bit there about um, the cost of the the cost of the argument not being worth winning. Actually, I didn't say it like that, but I insinuated it. I think this is one of the also, one of the all, um, another sort of mantra that you can that you can kind of follow in your own head if, if you're in a loving, caring relationship and you are. In the midst of an argument, or your perspectives have a giant wedge between them, and you're trying to bridge this gap and force the axes forces out of your way so that you can connect again and understand each other as individuals, uh, and, and sort of realign your perspectives so you can view life correctly together or as correctly as possible together. What you I think what is really important to understand and what I try so hard to ground myself in is if I love this person, the the cost, the emotional toll on myself and the emotional toll on the other person is not worth being right in the argument. And here's why. The ultimate goal is not for you to be right in your own perspective. The ultimate goal is for your perspectives to align again. So if you win, the other person loses and the ultimate goal, which is for your perspectives to align so that you're a powerful force doing powerful things in the world around you. When, when, that, when the outcome is the other person loses and you win, you have done damage in the relationship and you have actually hurt the other person and the ultimate goal of coming together to do life together, you have just taken a massive chunk out of it. And it will take some work to put that chunk back together um- So these are these are some helpful little mantras that I stick in my head in regards to this division. Um, the, the first one, um, <clears throat> the first one being that the mark of a good or healthy relationship is not the frequency of argument, it's the duration. We want short duration arguments. The second one being that the cost of being correct or right, or leveraging yourself and your knowledge over your spouse or your partner, Victory is not worth the actual casualty, because what's happened at that point is you've turned, you've you've turned on your you've turned on your axis partner, and when we consider something like World War II, it's like the U.S. turning on its closest ally in the fight in the fight. It's like you turn on them and you attack them and you weaken their forces. What happens when you weaken their forces and you boost your own? Well, they lose ground in their own personal lives. They feel terrible. It's actually not worth it because the goal is to align your personal ground with your primary relationship, your spouse, to align those in a fashion and in a manner in which you're both bolstered in life and given power and energy in life you don't want to be taking that away from one another uh, but but we arrive at that point so quickly so quickly because of these wedges that get drove in between the relationship this sort of axis force which is trying to drive us apart so that we turn on each other which is which is what happens like and that's what That's what divorce ultimately becomes is the two forces turn on each other and start warring with one another. The axes don't have to do anything at that point. They don't have to do anything at that point. They have won. Why? Because the relationship in the primary, the primary relationship of your life now doesn't need any eggs in the basket. And the axes can have as many, as many of your eggs as they would like the problem is is those axes don't give anything back to you nothing um, and I, I do genuinely believe they don't give anything emotional back to you or what they do give emotionally back to you is toxic like a social media uh, like that, that is, is toxic or the, the dopamine you get when your boss emails you back and says good job on that report right screw the report, you, I'm sorry, bump the report, you just, we we have all these wedges now between the relationship that we have actually committed our entire lives to in order to bolster uh, the impact that we both have on the world around us and to protect the ground that we've gained individually in our lives through our efforts and our strivings. I just talked a whole lot there. Let's take another drink. (laughs) Um, So these are, these are, I, I, there are so many specifics I think I could go into as far as how that plays out in either side of the relationship. Um, But maybe we can do a follow up, follow up on on those specific things. Um, But I will. I will throw a couple generalities out there from from what I've heard in the past and what I think is pretty unhealthy. Um, one of them, and this is typically from the, the, the male figure in the relationship, they'll come in and they just want to move on. It's like, well, you know, I had an affair or, um, yeah, I've been working too much or I haven't been paying attention to the kids. I, I haven't been meeting her emotional needs. I just, I just want to, like... Fix it and move on. Um, that particular Brandon, and, and then of course you have the the partner in the room who's just kind of staring that person down like we we're not moving anywhere, um, and and rightfully so. There's not there's not an there's not an acknowledgement that what happened was an actual problem and that it's not just okay i'll remedy this i'll spend more time with you i'll spend more time with our kids i'll spend time less at work the issue as i'm talking about is not actually time it's what you do with the time it's how do you align with the perspectives of the people most important in your lives so until you start talking in that type of manner you don't move forward with anything until you actually want to get to know the person that you've neglected, you won't go anywhere. Um, <clears throat> some of the other things that I that I hear, and, and this is sometimes more from the more female perspective, though these are interchangeable, I've, 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 I don't know that they're unique to either gender, it's just what I've heard more from each gender, um, is if language like this, if he would just do this, if he would just do this, if he would just... Do this and it seems like these sort of problem solving things of taking on responsibility which is definitely definitely important you can reference a podcast we did with Dr. Logue a few months back uh, talking about emotional labor for a woman and how the male really does need to step up in that in that area and take on that load not take on part of it but also share in that load and perspective that's really important but what I what i what I would try and coach that that um, that client in, or whoever may be saying that in the room, what I might what I might try to say is something along the lines of yes. And if they did those things, I predict that you would still be miserable because they don't actually know you. Um, that they, there's been distance over the last months, over the last years, uh, and your perspective isn't known. Neither one of you. As an individual is known by the other how much time do you actually spend talking about how your partner emotionally processed through their day or what they encountered in their day and some of this takes a lot of practice to share your perspective again what does it mean it means that you actually have to be aware that you have a perspective and that you have something to offer and that you are seeing the world through a certain lens and you can share that with your spouse. You can share that in your relationship. And that's how you make genuine connections with one another. Yeah, so there's that. Um, <clears throat> where do I go from there? I'm trying to picture if there was a, it's like a question that would get thrown in there. You know, maybe maybe something would come in... Maybe a question would come in at that point, like, okay, um, so how how could we go about doing that? Well, that's a great question, right? We have all of these things pulling for our time. If you have children in your relationship, my goodness, it's very difficult. This is where um, I'm going to use the words of Andrew uh, in words that I've also used myself in regards to my children and, and my important relationships. It's words that we've shared with one another is that you have to invite them into the important parts of your life. Um, And you invite them excitedly into the important parts of your life. Um, So here's a great example. And I just, I, I, um, this is an example between me and my son. And um, I love to fish absolutely love to fish. I like even more specifically, I really enjoy fly fishing. Um, And I feel like I learn a lot of lessons when I'm on the water about life. Like I'm trying to take in and understand life better while I'm out there and seeing what nature can give and provide me in the ways of uh, knowledge and insight. And these are things that I desperately want for my son and I sometimes don't know how to put into words well I had this idea um, that even though he's young, I tell you what, I'm going to sit him on my fly tying bench and I'm going to teach him how to start tying flies. I, this effectively worked with my daughter as well, um, and they, they grew in their passion and love for tying flies. I wound up getting them their own little vices, and they, 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 have, a, they have a good time making up their own flies. I take my son fishing with me. I try and explain to him what I'm seeing. And, and he's actually taking in these lessons and, and, and spitting them back out at me. Like, he's getting them. Um, rather than me sort of keeping this self-care thing. Uh, fishing is like a self-care thing for me and a deep connection that I have with peace. Um, but if I was to hoard that to myself, my my relationship with my son wouldn't benefit from that at all and so I invited him into it I invited him into that space with me when I'm tying or when I'm out on the water I invited him into it to learn those lessons um, in regards to my in regards to my marriage I mean I've done that even with even with my wife in in you know one of the harder parts about being a counselor is there's only so much you can say about what you do only so much do you can say about what you do and, and I can't tell my wife precisely what was talked about in my day. I, I, don't, I don't do that. Uh, one, um, because it's not, it's not completely necessary. But two, because there are like HIPAA guidelines and I don't want to give any identifying information in regards to my, my clients' lives, even to my own wife. Um, so I, I don't do that. But you're looking at six to eight hours of my day and a lot of my energy going into those hours how do i bring my wife into that space well i actually talk about the emotions that i had during the day during those sessions right like this is the perspective that i had throughout my day these are sort of the ups and downs and twists and turns that my day took and i'd like you to invite you into that in in conversation like i can't bring her into a session with me though my though i mean i mean i guess <laughs> I guess you, I guess you could, but um, and I've, I've heard of like uh, husband, husband-wife counselors doing things like that before, like doing tag team sessions with retreats and things like that, which is, which is totally cool. But my wife's not a licensed professional counselor, so I'm not going to do that. But I invite her into my life through conversation. When do we have those conversations? Like, I'll be honest with you, the time from the time, like. When my kids go to bed until my wife goes to bed, I usually stay up a little bit later. That's when I I do things on my own. But um, from the time the kids go to bed until the time my wife goes to sleep, that is like sacred time. Uh, That's sacred time between me and my wife. And I say sacred because it's like... It's not just sacred. It's like the only time. And I try not to make sacrifices in that time because that is a time which I can actually invite her into my inner thought life, which is all over the place, and she's really good at helping me navigate. Um, so there's some practical examples of what that what that looks like, whether it's a hobby, whether it's just time that you're creating, even if it's 30 minutes, to sit down and invite each other into each other's day. And I would encourage you, don't try and problem solve with that time. Um, like, don't try and fix your budgetary issues, Don't bring work into it and try and figure out are you gonna solve something at work or an interpersonal conflict. Like, take time to just listen to one another about what has actually happened in in your day, what you learned, what you felt like you missed out on, what successes you had, what failures you feel like you had, where you wanna see yourself improve. I think the stressors is one that comes up really easily for us because we're all anxious human beings and so we uh, get anxious throughout our days and it's easier it's easy for us to to see those anxieties and to um subsequently communicate them right so those are usually accessible and so it could start with something like that and then maybe you start to share your perspective on what it was like to not be around that person that day or what it was like to come home to them like man I really missed I actually really missed this part of you today. I wish you could have been here for this thing. Like, what do you think about this? I'm curious, like, what do you see in my day right here? Um, you know, and, and I'm throwing out these as examples of what what you could do singularly. Uh, I, I don't even know that I'm aware enough to do all the things that I just said at one time. I'm lucky to, to be able to pull out two or three in an evening with my wife, and I'm really lucky because she also has a similar perspective to me on this. And when our lenses align, she also is is really cool about sharing her life with me. So I, I think when you're both working on that common goal together of bridging the gap, keeping out the axes, uh, maintaining a safe of of a a space of safety for your relationship to grow and bloom and be a part of a relationship that's meant to promote both of you towards your common goals together. And I think that's the final thing that I would I would leave you with. <clears throat> One of the most beneficial things I did early in my relationship, in my marriage, and what I encouraged all of my premarital couples to do early in their relationship and we would do that in session is to actually uh, to meet every three and every six months to evaluate the goals that you have together in your relationship whether that's just to pay off a bill whether it's to get a new car whether it's to have a house that you're moving into or hitting a certain financial goal whether it's planning for children whether it's planning for a career or a job shift or a promotion um, whether it's uh, you know, a goal of staying at home or vacationing or, um, or maybe even, it may even be more basic things like spending this much time together or making these types of things most important and primary in our family and in our relationship. Um, it also may be dropping certain things. So like you see that you're overcommitted, and so over the next six months, you want to start dropping some of these commitments. And it's an amazing thing to sit down with your um, with your spouse and every three to every three months evaluate it and then as you grow in your relationship you can kind of space that out to every six months or every year but i would encourage that with some frequency on the front end to actually set goals that you're both working towards it will help you align your perspectives and appreciate the perspective of the other person to help you move in that direction so all right so i had initially ended the podcast here but I decided, after another 30 minutes of driving, and after listening to the first part that I recorded, to come back for some more. I decided to come back for a part two because I still have a bunch of time in the car, and um, I listened to some of my thoughts on that first playthrough, and there's a couple of things that I'd love to expound on or just keep talking on, so if you're down for it, I'm going to keep going. Um, So we left off on the... uh, we left off on the idea of how to come together and have these bridging gap conversations and um, how to really align with perspectives. Now, I one of the uh, one of the primary things I missed out on in this first hour is why? Why do that? Now, I talked about this idea of war, and I, I do believe that there uh, is a fair amount of suffering in life that we each face individually, and like I said, I think there is... Uh, all there are all types of things that pull for our attention and pull for our awareness away from our primary relationships so there I, I kind of want to leave that there in a little bubble the idea that there's pulling thing things pulling us away from our primary relationships and I want to kind of hone in on this uh, this idea that there's a larger struggle in life that we all face individually and I think that that, is the very piece of... Uh, I think that that is the puzzle piece of why we would want to have this connection through perspective in our primary relationship. So here you go. There, there, there's some famous... Uh, I can't remember the philosopher now, but it's several philosophers who have come to this conclusion, um, at, as much as philosophy can even come to a conclusion, but to, to make the statement... Um, we all want to, and I believe there's even religious scholars who have come to this as well, but we all want to be known, but we are all scared to death of being known. Um, and this, this primary desire to be known as a human being, um, it is laced in all sorts of anxiety and fear of being hurt if we allow ourselves to be that vulnerable. Now, uh, us as humans, it's really interesting. I was commenting on this, I think, either earlier today or yesterday, and I pulled it from somewhere that I can't really remember right now, but uh, other animals have this, uh, other, other animals walk on fours, and so their vitals, their heart, their stomach, their lungs, all of this, and the soft tissue on their belly is protected by the ground below them. Um, us humans, we actually walk upright, and our soft tissue especially if we're standing up straight in our posture straight our soft tissue and our most vital organs are facing whoever we're looking at and so just even by positioning ourselves to be known by our face and by our body we are exposing ourselves in In the most uh, biologically uncomfortable way, I think on some very primitive levels in our brain that it activates fear in knowing that when somebody gets closer and closer to this, this soft tissue that we have in front of us, they have a stronger and stronger capability of doing some serious damage, and I I think that's even where physical intimacy comes in to uh, a relationship, is what you're saying is, I trust this enough, um, and I feel safe enough with you to actually allow you this close to the things that are most vital to me. And you can take that metaphorically if you like, and you can take that in actuality if you like. I think it rings true in both situations. And you look at that model, and you say, "Okay," and that's in regards to physical proximity. Now, if we take it on a deeper level, we are not just our faces and our bodies. Well, uh, maybe we are just our bodies, but um, there is a there is an inner thought life to us it's going back to this idea of perspective there's this inner thought life and in, in our in our minds and I tell you at least mine is is a bit tortured at times if not frequently um, by uh, the amount of suffering in the world around me and I also see the joy in the world around me but I'll be honest I think that the suffering around me allows me to understand what true joy is much better and so I I I feel like my sense of, my sense of joy and happiness, um, if I could even put the two together, they're very different things, but I feel like those things wind up being derived uh, and, and experienced in my life because of the amount of ten- attention I pay, in, I pay to the suffering around me. You know, um, but what that, what that sort of suffering and what that chaos around us creates is fear that somebody might exercise something in our lives uh, or introduce their chaos into our lives in a way that hurts us. And so we have this we have this inner thought life, this inner living, this this inner dialogue that desperately we, we actually want somebody to acknowledge and accept and realize. I mean that's what social media actually is and we have a podcast coming up on uh, the danger, like what what social media is doing to culture, but that's essentially what social media is. It's a it's a very protective way to do that, but you can even get hurt. In it, it's it's allowing your inner thought life, your inner memes, which is a psychological term. It's crazy that memes are like a, like a, people use that term and. Maybe don't understand the psychology behind it but we're allowing our own memes to be displayed publicly in hopes that they will either be challenged or accepted or critiqued in a way that helps us grow or we find somebody who's in line with us we desperately want to be known as people um, but we're also incredibly uh, cautious and so we talked about this idea of of coming together in this primary relationship. And I think when you have a good why, when you have a good why to why you're why you're doing that, um, you know, you wind up being able to bear any how or anything that happens in that relationship. You can really, especially if you have the same why as each other, you wind up being able to navigate tremendous tremendous stressors outside of the marriage. When the, when the stressors like infidelity and things like that start falling into the marriage, it becomes much more difficult, even, even with a good why. But I want to talk to you about why we make those strong primary connections in our lives. <clears throat> and it's so tacky for me to put it this way, but I will put it this way because I believe it to be true. When you can make a connection with somebody and you're aware that their perspective holds chaos and safety at the same time because we are human and we can't be 100% safe. We will hurt each other. But when we see in that other person that they are so willing to contend with their own chaos and their own inner evils so that they can be a part of our lives and share in our inner dialogue and share in our everyday experiences and want to be a part of that, that's actually a really beautiful thing. Um, You know, when I, when I, when I feel aligned with my, my wife, even if it's, even if it's through something that is heartbreaking, like loss or, uh, or certain frustrations, or anxiety, or or whatever is going on in our lives that is that is putting pressure on us. When we feel aligned and we're able to poof, kind of poof out our, like join, kind of lock on it. You know what it is? It's like putting your backs together and locking arms, and like refusing to be to be pulled apart from each other, because the connection to that person is become so valuable because they they know you and they have the ability to hurt you but they prove time and time again that they don't want to hurt you they actually want to more fully know you and be a part of your life um and and uh, like i said it still comes with hurt like your, your spouse is not going to be perfect that's not an expectation to have and you're not going to be perfect you will hurt each other in the process just like these allied forces in war uh, stepped on each other's toes and, and hurt one another but at the end of the day they realized that the strength in their relationship would preserve uh, the cultures that they both inhabited and in the ways that their cultures overlapped you can think of that very similarly in this idea of here is my here is my land and I want to join it with your land here is my life and I want to join it with your life and they are independent there is independence in them but there is this sort of circle that hovers around the both of them that allows them to coexist with one another and work with one another and use force with one another and it's an incredibly beautiful thing to be known by someone who also turns around and takes that knowledge and does something for you uh that allows you to grow as a human and realize that you're doing that reciprocally. And it's not the type of reciprocally where it's like hinged on, okay, you do it for me, I'll do it for you. No, the perspective is when when your perspective aligns, you're sort of already considering the other person. And if you're up to date on their perspective, then you're considering them in an accurate manner and i think that that's a really really important thing that's the necess- that's that's the necessity of consistently being known allowing yourself to be known and trying to know the other person i don't know why i'm snapping that's not my turn signal <laughs> but i'm snapping as i said so really into it um, so that's kind of a that's kind of a why you you are linked with you are you are linked in all types of way Ways with someone who's like uh what is it it's like yeah that thing's on the horizon like all right we're both gonna pick up our our sticks and swords or whatever and we're gonna take the hill together and i got your back and you got my back and we got this like um and it just kind of big smiles and running at it you know and i, I think that's one way that I view it and then there's this other way where when someone is accurately understanding your perspective, they know when you've been hurt. And so it's not a take the hill circumstance. It's like, "Oh my gosh, you just took a you just took a bullet to the leg and you've been you've been trying to fight for the last months and I haven't seen it. Let me pull forces. Like, let me put energy in front of you and protect you so that you can recuperate, right? It's like, let me take care of you and vice versa. And this is not some... I mean, I... I, What is that word that we all... Oh, gosh. I'm not going to be able to... Um unconditional love, there's a word that starts with an A that I just cannot love without condition, I just can't pull it, anyway there, there, are, there are, I think there are natural conditions to our loves and maybe there should be in regards to boundaries for sure, but I I, like I, I think we get wrapped up in this idea of like, I don't want this to be a relationship where we're just meeting each other's needs and it's like, but um, that's actually a really important part of relationships and I'm not talking about just scratching each other's back I'm talking about like taking on the force of the axes while your allied partner has to kind of recover and you you pick up for them and they do the same for you there's real beauty in being known that way when someone can can sense wow like my spouse is really hurting right now and I'm I want to do everything in my power to actually help in this circumstance and and do the best that I can. And also if we've caused the hurt to try and promote healing at that point by revealing that we actually love and are safe and we're sorry if we leveraged those things because we want this sort of, this sort of beauty in being known without having to be preoccupied with being hurt. yeah, so it's it's an excellent it's an excellent why, and then when you start weaving children into this, it it only makes sense that you would you would kind of want them to have uh, to kind of have that as a model of interaction, both teaching them what a safe relationship is, but then how to operate within that safe relationship and really flourish as an individual, while also promoting the flourishing of the other person in the relationship, which Promotes the overall flourishing of everything that is encompassed in your territory as a couple. Um, another way to think about this, though, it's a little—the metaphor may land for some people and may be off-putting for some people. So, if it's off-putting to you, uh, feel free to to toss it. That's totally fine. But I, um, when you start seeing each other as your your greatest assets in life. Um, assets is what I'm saying so uh, we we will commonly refer to our greatest assets as our retirement or the education that we are giving our children or our career is our greatest asset in life it is the thing that keeps us going or our edu- or maybe our personal education we feel is our greatest asset or our mind is our greatest asset or you know, you start considering these things. These are some of the primary answers that you throw out. Um, and we have no problem assigning them as assets. And And that's why I like to bring in this metaphor. It's like, where is your sp- where is your spouse on that list? Where is your primary relationship on that list? Because at the end of the day, when everything starts, <laughs> if everything starts falling apart, who do you fall back on? You can't fall back on a retirement account. Like, money doesn't prop your emotions up. That's not what happens. Um, uh, Your career can blow away like the wind. Your career is not committed to you. You are committed to your career. Your career can fall right out from underneath of you tomorrow in one car accident. I mean, all it would take for me is to lose my voice. And I've lost my career. Um, So I, I think... Unless I start signing, which I probably would take up. Um, and, but I think you get the point. Like, everything can change so swiftly. And then you start to actually see the value of someone who is committed and invested in your life, your life together as a couple, you being invested in theirs. Like, what is actually most important? What is your greatest asset in life? have to be honest in this it's, it's my wife it's my wife I feel like if everything started falling apart around me like I would I would crumble in her direction and feel very sure that she would be there for me and it's not because of how much I've done for her it's because she actually knows me and I I feel like I've I've tried to open up as much as I can in that manner and I still have work to do on this, guys. But I feel like her commitment is to me, like as to what she knows to be true and valuable and amazing. And chaotic within me. That is the thing that she supports and will hold up. Uh, she cares about that, and I sense that, and I feel that way towards her as well. Um, you want someone to collapse into, even if you're both collapsing. And I, I think that, I don't know how else to put it in any other words than that, because it really, really drives home this point of trying to understand the perspective in which your spouse, partner, kids, friends are actually seeing the world around them because the way that they see the world around them and the way they internalize it is them. And if you love them, you must understand those things and start pushing out the things that pull your awareness away. When your awareness is pulled away, you can't connect, and you you lose touch with what I think is most beautiful in life. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Just gonna sit with that for a second. Cause you know. It's like, I, I, the more time I spend on earth and the more time I spend in, in my field and helping people through some of the greatest difficulties that you would ever hear of or encounter, um, So I, I think what I've come to realize is, like there, uh, what's coming up from my gut is this phrase: like there's a person in there. Um, there's a person in there that has had to fight, and there's a person in there that has had to strive and be resilient and overcome tremendous difficulty to be here in front of me sharing their life with me in this manner, whether that's my wife, my friend, or my client, there is no shortage of difficulty. And if you don't feel you're personally facing difficulty, you don't have to go far outside of your personal circle to find that the people closest to you are experiencing difficulty. And in that sense, in being a human and being connected to those people around you, your your spouse included, you. You don't have to search far for suffering or what is difficult. You don't. And so, from what I can tell, having having someone who truly sees you, or the best that they can, to the extent that we can truly see someone, or at least trying to see you, actually makes a difference. It, it genuinely makes... A difference and it begins to make more and more of a difference the more that you as a person realize that you actually don't want to hurt the other people around you either the cost is not worth it The cl- you actually desire the closeness particularly with the people who have proven that they are safe and can operate around your boundaries in life and the things that you do individually to protect yourself Um, yeah so I, I think that might be I think that might be all I have left to say um, in regards to in regards to that on this trip um, I think I want to throw in a, one sort of a PS to those who may be listening to this who have what feel like irreconcilable Differences in your marriage, or there have been irreconcilable events, and there has been traumatic hurt and traumatic loss caused by your partner. Um, you know, I I want you to to hear the things that I've said and to to weigh them with a grain of salt against what you've experienced. Um, I'm 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 putting out fundamental principles of relationships and living. And I recognize that some of them um, don't speak to some of the flip side of the coin when your partner has actually exercised the greatest hurt you've ever experienced. And and I believe that individual healing can come from that, even if it doesn't involve the other person anymore. Um, So... So that is a great circumstance. If you're feeling that inside of yourself, it's a it's a great opportunity to to plug in with a counselor, plug in with a religious mentor if you prefer that. But to plug in with someone who is going to help you work through the healing process of that, um, whether that's together with your with your spouse or with your partner, or whether you guys have decided to part ways with each other, the healing. I do believe that healing is accessible Um, though it may take time to find the beauty of that connection again, I would encourage you not to lose hope Um, I would encourage you not to lose hope and give up on humanity as a whole based on what you may have experienced from a handful or maybe even more or less people that have hurt you And, and I'm sorry that that's happened and I don't I don't wish that on anyone and I wish it hadn't happened so I want to I do want to take some time to just and I did take some time to just make sure that if if there are outliers because I reckon I'm speaking in fundamentals and generals that I think are helpful broadly but I, I understand that there are specific scenarios in which um, you know some of these things are not possible anymore with the person that you are in the relationship with or are not in the relationship with anymore and, and you need healing. Um, so get a professional involved at that point or somebody who's truly invested in your life or in the life of your marriage or, or a primary relationship. So, all right, guys. Well, um, yeah, my I'm, uh, my my thinker is, is uh, pretty wore out and I'm going to to wrap it up there. Um, we'll holler at you later. You have been listening to The Counselor's Chair, sponsored by Traverse Counseling Services. For more information, visit our website at www.traversecounselingservices.com or email us at contact at infotraverse.com. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. This podcast was recorded and produced by Josh Zello.